This man never stops saying things against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses handed on to us. And all who sat in the council looked intently at him, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Then the high priest asked him, Are these things so? And Stephen replied, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are forever opposing the Holy Spirit, just as your ancestors used to do. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, and now you have become his betrayers and murderers. You are the ones that received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you have not kept it. When they heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. The word of the Lord. Thank you. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, we start a three-week journey through the book of Acts. Many of us think that Easter and resurrection are synonymous with the stories of Jesus' empty tomb and his appearances to the disciples, but for me... It's these stories of the earliest church recorded in the book of the Acts of the Apostles that truly get at the heart of what resurrection and new life are all about. And I get that how that's an odd thing for me to say, considering that this particular story ends with Stephen's death by stoning, but stay with me. Resurrection begins with Jesus' empty tomb, but then Jesus gets off stage pretty quick. A couple appearances to his disciples, a couple of breakfasts on the beach, and then he ascends into heaven. And what we learn from this is that God doesn't do resurrection by raising only one person Resurrection is not some permanent resuscitation of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and God setting him up to live on earth eternally, solving disputes and healing people and spouting off parables for all time. No. God does raise Jesus from the grave, but that's just the first half of resurrection. The second half is found in this book, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. 
The book begins with Jesus ascending into heaven, leaving his disciples without a clear guide. And then what happens next is that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave descends to earth and comes close to each person gathered at the Feast of Pentecost and enlivens their speech. And that spirit is the main character of this book, and that spirit is unrelenting. It keeps pouring forth, popping up in all sorts of places for 28 straight chapters, and Jesus' followers are constantly amazed at the wideness of God's reach and the surprising people that are touched by this spirit of resurrection and new life and the community that forms in its wake. And this spirit doesn't stop working when the book of Acts comes to a close. It is still alive and active among us now. When we gather around this font and baptize someone, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave, the same spirit that came close to the early church, now comes close to each one of us, and God starts working and speaking through each one of us. That's how we experience resurrection. It's through our baptism, which does two things. It initiates us into community with one another, and it starts us in the pattern of daily dying and rising. And when that happens, our own bodies, our own lives, our own relationships become sacred text. Our own bodies and lives and relationships come, become holy ground where God is living and active and moving. This is why when we refer to the body of Christ, we're not just talking about the body of one person, Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago. We're talking about the whole church, each one of us, part of this amazing body that God has called throughout space and time. When we say the body of Christ, what we're saying is that God has chosen to be present not just in one person, but through us all. We're saying that God has chosen to be revealed in a chorus of voices rather than just one. This sounds amazing, and of course it is. It is one of my favorite things about Christianity that because of the resurrection and because of the Holy Spirit, every single one of us has something to say. Every single one of us has something to contribute. But... <laughs> It's also one of the most difficult things about Christianity, too. I don't know about you, but some days I think it'd be a whole lot easier if I could just call up Jesus for a firm answer to a question that I have or a dispute that needs settling, rather than having to engage in this nebulous process of listening to the diverging perspectives of the people in my midst in hopes that God will be speaking wisdom and grace through them. But the book of Acts 
is crystal clear. Resurrection means relationship. And relationships mean change. And all of this is very, very hard. All this is, of course, a long way of giving background and introducing this harrowing story that we read today, because I believe what this story is really about is how the spirit of resurrection shows up in community and how being in community invites us to die to some things and to rise to other things and how that process is really tough. Stephen, a new believer, starts speaking and acting out the freedom he's found in following in the way of Jesus. The text tells us that he is performing signs and wonders, which would have included healing the sick, including the stranger, sharing with the poor. And while everyone agrees that these are great and noble goals, at least in theory, when he starts actually doing them, they upset the status quo, especially for those who already have power. Now, you may be thinking right now that my sermon is headed in the direction of berating these stubborn synagogue leaders and telling them how they need to change and wake up, etc. But the thing is, as I was preparing this sermon, I found that I was really sympathizing with Stephen's resistors. These people are leading good lives. These men from the synagogue have devoted themselves to God and to trying to understand scripture. They're trying to be compassionate. They want to be fair. They want their lives to make sense. They want their lives to be stable and predictable. And then here comes Stephen, out of nowhere, who starts challenging everything they've staked their lives on. And suddenly they're faced with a choice. Do they listen to him? Do they take him seriously? Do they enter into dialogue with Stephen, knowing that it may cause them to have to reevaluate their lives and make some some, tough changes? Or do they take the convenient way out and try to get rid of him? The text is clear about which of the options they chose, and they do choose the wrong one, to be sure. But I get it. Because I've been there. I've been in meetings where I just want to win because I'm right, obviously. (laughs) But someone keeps pricking holes in my vision And what I want to do is shut that person up. I've been in friendships where I just want to have a good evening, but my friend has to talk about the grief that they're wading through. And even though I know it's wrong, I just want to tell them to get over it already. When my life has intersected with public policymaking and politics, I've started out as an advocate for lofty ideals and positions, 
but soon become a crusader motivated more by just squashing my opponents in humiliating defeat rather than standing with the people I'm supposedly going to bat for. In no case has the voice of the other been convenient for me. And that right there is the rub of the resurrection. That is the other side of the coin of God giving a little bit of wisdom to everyone. It's that none of us can ever have it all figured out. And resurrected life means that we're going to have to admit that we're wrong on a daily basis if God blesses us. Resurrection means that we will have to have conflict. Resurrection means our worldviews will have to smash and crash. People will need to reconsider their positions in light of other people's words. And this work is all too easily avoided. But when we avoid it too long, we end up just like Stephen's silencers. Hearts harden, rumors start, secrecy reigns, and soon people are literally covering their ears to drown out a dissenting voice as they reach for a stone to throw. I wonder what would have happened if the men from the synagogue had allowed themselves to become curious about Stephen instead of wanting to silence him. I wonder what would have happened if they had thought to engage him in dialogue instead of debate. I don't know how scripture would have been different. I don't know if they would have been convinced to follow Jesus. But what I do know is that they would have engaged themselves by listening to the other. And that work, hard as it is, is the stuff that resurrection is made of. That dying to our own small visions and rising to richer understandings through our participation in community, those things that are started in our baptisms, that is how the Holy Spirit brings us new life. The book of the Acts of the Apostles is 28 chapters long, but the Holy Spirit is adding chapters in each one of our lives every time we open ourselves up to consider that God just might be speaking through another person. The God of resurrection is still at work. May that God be at work in and among each of you. Amen.